0: Hare Krishna, welcome to the 12th episode of the Ishopanishad series and today's topic is Ishopanishad Mantra 11. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Ajyanati Mirandhasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chakshuran Me Sri Gurave Namaha shri chaitanya manobhishtam sthapitam yena Swayam rupah kadam aham dadati sva Guru vandeham shri gurur shri Guru padakamaram shri gurun shri rupam sagrajatam sahaganu nathanmitam tamsu jeevam savadhutam parijana sahitam krishna chaitanya devam श्री Rādhā कृष्ण पादाम् सह गण ललिता श्री विशाखां वितामश्च हे कृष्ण करनासिन्दो दीन बन्दो जगतते गोपेश गोपिका कांत राधा कांत नमोस्तुते तप्त कांचन गौरंगे राधे वृंदावनेश्वरी वृषभानु देवी वरणामामि हरि प्रिय one chakalpatarubhisha kripaas and the graveacha. Paditanam pavanebhu, Vaishnabebhu, Namun Namaha. Namaha Om Vishnupada, Krishna Prestaya, Buddha Lim. Shrimate Bhaktivedanta Tinamine. Namaste Saraswati Deve, Goravani, Pracharine, Nirvise Shasunya Vadi, Paraschati De Yes. Shri Krishna Chaitanya prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasa vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare Hare
1: Hare Rama
0: Hare Rama Rama Rama, Rama, Rama Hare Hare So thank you for joining um, episode 12 East Akanishad Mantra 11. <coughs> <coughs> so, word to word, we'll read from here the section. So, please repeat after me Vidyam Cha Avidyam Cha <coughs> Yaha Tat Veda. Ubhayam Saha Avidyaya Brityam tirtva, Vidyaya Amritam Ashnute I think they are you. Hare Krishna. Okay, now I think it's louder. Just now, I think it was not coming from here. Alright. I hope the audio is clear. Can you let me know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think I noticed from the. Now I think it's good, right? just just let me know now yes so I actually actually had to disconnect and connect back the mic because the mic was not connected I could see the audio levels were not so high as and not so clear okay good thank you very much <clears throat> all right so line by line vidyam cha vidyam chayas Please repeat. Vidyam cha vidyam chayas tad vedo bhyam sah avidyayam rityum tirthva vidyayam vidyam cha vidyam chayas Tad Vedo Bhayam sah, Avidyayamrityum tirthva, Vidyayamrita maśnutē, Vidyamcha vidyamchayas, Tad Vedo Bhayam Right, word to word meaning. Vidyam, knowledge in fact. Cha and avidya, nations or ignorance. Cha and yah, a person who uh, tat that Veda knows. Ubhayam, both. Saha, simultaneously. Avidyaya, by culture of nations. Mrityum, repeated death. Teeritva, transcending. Vidyaya, by culture of knowledge. Amritam, deathlessness. Ashnute, enjoys. Translation and purport by Siddhvangre Swami prabhupada ki Translation, only one who can learn the process of nations and that of transcendental knowledge side by side can transcend the influence of repeated birth and death and enjoy the full blessings of immortality. So, it is very important point here, only one who can learn the process of nations and that of transcendental knowledge side by side. So, we have to know what is material and what is spiritual both and of course the controller of both energies. So, sometimes devotees are um, understood to be very naive about the materialistic way of life, they do not know how material world works, it is not exactly that, they know, the, they know how the material world works better than the materialists. In fact, those who are materialists who think they know how to um, you know navigate themselves within this material world, in fact they do not know, they are so much in ignorance and they are caught by the illusory energy, whereas uh, the devotee who is, who takes knowledge from Krishna and who takes shelter of Krishna, he can see very clearly how Maya is working and how uh, she keeps everyone under illusion, whereas the one who is in illusion, he cannot see it, he cannot see it, just like um, you know when the magician, when he does some trick so, if you do not know the trick, you're like completely. You don't even know, whether, you know how how it is done. But a person who knows the trick, he knows exactly what's going on. Uh, so, um, basically, magic is cheating. You know, you just um, <laughs> um, legal cheating. They they call it sleight of hand, sleight of hand means you know um, cheating with the hand. They just distract you and then do what they want to do and then they will they will trick us. So that's how Maya is. You know she knows how to trick us and distract us from the real way of life and you know with her sleight of hand and everything she she completely bewilders us. So it's basically cheating. We are being cheated of our real aim of life. But the problem is we asked for it. Just like the magician does a show, and he goes on the stage and cheats. And people actually pay tickets to come and sit down there and enjoy the cheating process. They want to be cheated. They want that tricks, right? So, although he's cheating, the audience paid paid to come there to see that cheating, right? So that's how we asked for it. We demanded the ticket to come here into this material world and you know wanted to be cheated by the by the by maya so that's how it is and uh, so we can't be blamed that just because maya is cheating us but we asked for it that's like we cannot we after paying for the ticket and coming there and sitting down and then he he does all these tricks and then we can't we can't complain to the government say hey, you know I, I paid the ticket to come, come there and sat down and he, I know he he did so many tricks, you know, he cheated me. No, but that's what you paid for, right? <laughs> so it's like that, we, we ask for these things. Okay, So we have to know how everything is working and then we know what to do, what not to do and then we, we know how to take shelter of Krishna. and. We cannot know, when we say we should know the process of nations and of transcendental knowledge, does not mean that we have to go into the material way of life and experience it and know it, no, no, no. As I said, we will not know that way, by being illusion, we cannot know. Once we take knowledge from Krishna, because He is the source of spiritual energy and material energy, both He is the source. So as as explained in the um, Bhagavad Gita chapter 7, Text 4 and 5. See 4. Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence and false ego. All together these 8 constitute my separated material energies. So, it is His. Krishna is saying, my. My separated energies. So, that material energy Everything that we see in this material world are a combination of these things. Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, false ego. So everything is, is a combination of these things. That is the material world. Now, next. Besides these, oh mighty Amr Arjuna, there is another superior energy of mind. That is also his superior energy of mind, which comprises the living entities which we are, who are exploiting the resources of this material inferior nature, Um, in the original one they say, (coughs) who are sustaining the universe, (coughs) so because of them the universe is appearing to be moving. So, both the spiritual and material energies are are his energies. So, he is the energetic and we are his energies. (coughs) So, we both belong to him. So, in order to really understand what is the material world and how she works, we need to understand from the owner of both material and spiritual energies. If we try to get knowledge from the material energy about material energy, we're going to be fooled. Uh, We have to learn it from the creator of the material energy. And he is the one who will reveal the tricks of her and how actually she is working under his order. <coughs> because once we know, you know, we have seen that verse also, right? Second chapter, verse 16. See, nāsato vidyate bhāvo nābhāvo vidyate sataha ubhayora Those who are seers of the truth have concluded that of the non-existent, the material body, there is no endurance, it will not endure, it will die one day, it is not eternal. And of the eternal, the soul, there is no change. The cha- change means basically death. <coughs> The only, the, the change happens only in the material world. The anything that is material undergoes six changes, six transformations. What are they? Birth, growth, stay for some time and produce byproducts, dwindle and vanish. So, or vanish means death. So, birth, growing, staying in the, I mean, in, in the so-called, actually I'm not staying, it's also changing. And then producing byproducts, and then because why we stay staying? Because once it reaches adulthood, the, our body, for example, then it appears to not change anymore. From boyhood, when we are growing, a lot of changes in the first ten years, you know, fifteen years of our life, you know, our size, our you know, our voice, everything you know changes. But once um, a certain stage, when we reach adulthood, then it's kind of like constant. You know it looks constant so that's why it's a stayed so birth growth um, staying for some time producing byproducts like you know family you know producing children <clears throat> and then dwindle old age and finally death so these six t- changes happen in the material body but of the spirit soul there is no change <clears throat> there is no change there is no deterioration change means basically deterioration So, in the soul there is no deterioration, whereas in the body, there is always deterioration by this. The second we come into this material world, it's already, the clock is ticking and then death is just getting nearer and nearer and nearer. Now, they have understood the nature of material and spiritual energies by this, they have concluded by studying the nature of both. And when we say study, study from the Vedas. As we have already learned yesterday uh, and the day before so we have to study from the vedas to study the nature like you know, we have gone, gone we have gone through the examples of like the species of life for example eight million four hundred thousand exact number and the division of the species in water trees you know insects reptiles animals and humans all these divisions and how many species in each of these categories are all mentioned in our scriptures already so when we say studying the nature of both studying means not with our senses but from the from the scriptures given by krishna so in the scriptures our knowledge of both the material and the spiritual energies and also the controller of both which is krishna so then we will have a wholesome education otherwise it's all it's all misguided it's just part and then you're seeing it from the wrong perspective and everything is not clearly understood otherwise so we have to know the both of them man. also Bhagavad Gita. I think I have shown you this, but again. Chapter 7, verse 2. <laughs> I shall now declare unto you in full this knowledge, both phenomenal and numinous. This being known, nothing further shall remain for you to know. This is important. So here also he is saying in the 7th chapter, 2nd verse, I shall now declare unto you the knowledge both phenomenal and numinous. Phenomenal means the material knowledge and numinous knowledge means the spiritual knowledge. So both phenomenal and numinous. This being known, nothing further shall remain for you to know. That's true, because everything that we see in this material world is just a combination of these both. Uh, there is matter which is dead, and then it is agitated by the living force, which is the living entity. <clears throat> Only these two energies are working in this material world. Of course, there are so many subdivisions in these two headings, like even the jivas, you know, like in the material energies, we have the eight different eight ingredients: Ghumi Rapha Nalovayukam. Manogudhira Then we have um in the spiritual, in the jiva, although it is one, then we have different gradations of living beings, like you know, aquatics, trees, and you know all these things, according to the coverings of the three modes of material nature. The gradations in living entities happen because of being covered to different degrees by the three modes of material nature. Somebody who is more covered by the mode of ignorance, they are in the animal species, a little bit less covered, you know, like in the human species and very much uncovered in the demigod and even among demigods there are so many and then Brahma is most most uncovered by the three modes of material nature in this universe and of course Lord Shiva is even beyond that so he is actually the controller of the material energy so in this way there are gradations of living entities uh, based on how much they are covered by the Maya But actually, all jivas, all jivatmas are of the same quality, whether Brahma or the insect, same quality actually, but just covered differently. Somebody is more in the mode of ignorance, somebody is more in the mode of goodness, somebody is in passion like that. So, we go to the purport. Uh, We can actually map the English to the Sanskrit, but uh, we try to, I think you can, you know, try to do this on your own, I have been doing this, but you know it, it is an exercise that you have to get used to, so you can do it on your own, so one who can learn the process of nations and that of transcendental knowledge side by side, so that is Vidya, um, process of nations and that of transcendental knowledge, that is Vidyaam Chavidyaam Chayas. Tad so that, that is side by side. Ubhayam means both. Ubhayam means both. So saha means simultaneously. So we have to understand this simultaneously. Um, and then avidhyaya mudbrityumthirtva by culture of nations, repeated birth and death, uh, transcending by the culture of knowledge. So we have to, pro, we have to transcend the culture of nations by the culture of knowledge, so we have to learn these things side by side, the influence of repeated birth and death, transcend the influence of birth and death and enjoy the full blessings of immortality, Vidya Amritam. Uh, One should learn, only one who can learn the process, learn is where Vidya, Amritam means the full blessings of immortality, so in this way, it is the order is not exactly in the same way, so, <clears throat> same order as the, I mean, the, the order in English of the words doesn't appear in the same order as in the Sanskrit. Okay. Purport. Since the creation of the material world, everyone has been trying to attain a permanent life. But the laws of nature are so cruel that no one has been able to avoid the hand of death. No one wants to die. Nor does anyone want to become old or diseased. The law of nature, however, does not allow anyone immunity from old age, disease or death. Nor has the advancement of material knowledge solved these problems. Material science can discover the nuclear bomb to accelerate the process of death, but it cannot discover anything that can protect man from the cruel hands of old age, disease and death. So. Basically, we don't want to die, nobody wants to, nobody wants these miserable conditions of birth, death, old age and disease, but we are forced to go through these things. And how much ever, is it's not that, okay, uh, fine, we, we are going through these things, so let us by science and technology try to mitigate these pains, but even with all the advancement of science and technology birth, death, old age and disease and the pains that come with it have only increased if not um, remained in the same degree by this material advancement. It is more um, the the way of life that we have adopted in this urban way of life. It is pretty much um, very hazardous to our health, mental health, physical health, spiritual health, everything is very hazardous we have adopted a lifestyle which is unwholesome, this is not wholesome at all. And our innate, our our very, um, we want to solve the problems by science and technology. But what we have done is even increase it even more. As Prabhupada very nicely explains later on in the purport, we will go there. And here Prabhupada is making in this paragraph, you see, material science can discover the nuclear bomb to accelerate the process of death. That is already a problem and this, they are these scientists they are you know trying to say that we are advancing but what they are doing is accelerating the process which is already a miserable condition they are accelerating the miserable condition not just the nuclear bomb but even by you know a seemingly lesser harmful uh, ways like um, what is that genetic modification of the crops you know and then there is um, pollution you know air pollution water pollution and um, by you know even this technology even this this live stream that we're doing, you know this internet, these waves, these electromagnetic waves, these also actually um, uh, harm our natural state so and and so many things i mean our enterprise inter- industrial enterprise is full of so many toxic materials and and also the whole process of working in a factory. Or working in the offices, and you know, it has become so hard just to earn a little bit of food to live, people don't even have time to eat properly. That much they have to work hard. It has become like that. Whereas previously, just by having land and cows, people could satisfy their material needs. And that's why there is dharma, artha, kama, moksha. So, the artha and kama, artha is for economic development just to maintain the body and soul together. And karma is regulated. The sense gratification is regulated, um, so that we will not be um, disturbed. Just like if one is not, uh, or if one does not marry, if he cannot maintain brahmacharya life, then he may be disturbed. You know. So okay, to satisfy himself, okay, let get get married, and in limited way satisfy your senses. But then continue. Don't don't give up on the spiritual path. So that is the whole point but they take Artha and Kama as the aims of life and Dharma and Moksha are completely forgotten, completely forgotten that is how the modern civilization is. But these four are there to balance balance and um, very wholesome um, what is that Uh, ratio of material and spiritual activities because we need some material balance I mean to maintain the material body we need to eat we need to sleep we need to have a family we need to have some form of you know basic kind of defense so these things are to be catered for by the economic development and regulated sense gratification but more than that we should not delve into this economic development mostly it's spiritual development that is what we should be concerned with but modern science it has completely rejected the part of path of dharma and moksha only artha and kama and that too just by chasing if we chase artha and kama that means um, accumulation of wealth and sense gratification to the exclusion of dharma and you know the ultimate aim of dharma or religion which is moksha if we do not pay attention to dharma and just want artha and kama oh that is going to be very very troublesome Uh, very very troublesome and that is exactly what modern civilization is and it is a soul killing civilization soul killing of course we can't just kill the soul but meaning that there is no opportunity for spiritual growth the time of human life is taken away by this just to maintain this material body work so hard you know that's that's how it is engineered and they think that is knowledge That is actually ignorance Mm. from the Puranas we learn <clears throat> of the activities of Hiranyakashipu. Now, Prabhupada is directing our our attention to Hiranyakashipu, who was the the most advanced materialist. Nobody can actually come anywhere near Hiranyakashipu's standard of materialism. He was a first-class materialist, and even he could not become successful in his attempts for uh, to con- um, in his attempts of conquest of the material world and enjoy to the unlimited degree the sense gratification. So, even he could not, he, he did not gain anything from that. Uh, in fact, he lost everything by chasing that. So, that's why he is now directing our attention to Hirendika who is the best sense gratifier, who was the best um, controller and scientist They can be, you know, scientists are going, trying to go to the other planets by spacecraft and all that. He, he, has, he has done it all. He has done it all. He, not only he went to the planets and he, he defeated them and made them his slaves. The kings of those planets became his slaves. So, modern scientists can't even even imagine the science and technology that Hiranyakasupu had. And we know what happened to Hiranyakasupu. Within a moment, he was finished. So, that's why Prabhupada is very nicely explaining here, how even such a great materialist with all his efforts failed. What we can can, uh, gain here by following his path in a very minuscule way, not even in the grand way. Now, you see, from the Puranas, we learn of the activities of Hiranyakashipu, a king who was very much advanced materially. Wanting to conquer cruel death by his material acquisitions and the strength of his nations, he underwent a type of meditation so severe that the inhabitants of all the planetary systems became disturbed by his mystic powers. We know the story, we have read the Narsamhalila. I do not know if you have followed us. Most of you have followed. So, you see with his tapasya, with his strength of nations, strength of ignorance, the path of ignorance, the culture of ignorance, which which basically means to defy the authority of the Lord, that is the path of ignorance. He underwent a type of meditation so severe that the inhabitants of all the planetary systems became disturbed by his mystic powers. Now, see that in this current context also. The technology is kind of a mystic power. Like I am sitting here, alone in this room and you know, so many of you on the other side are watching this live, sitting in your own homes, this is actually a mystic power which is Sanjay could do that you know, in the, in the battlefield, you know, he could see what was happening in the battle. There was also live telecast but here we have 34 people um, sitting as I can see the count here but <laughs> there was only one Sanjay and Vyasadeva of course could also see, by Vyasadeva's mercy Sanjay also could see. And uh, Dhritarashtra was hearing by practically radio because a live commentary was hearing from Sanjaya. So they had two, two, two people, you know, watching the whole thing. Of course, there are demigods also. I mean, whenever there is Krishna, the demigods are all interested in that, wherever, whatever he is doing. So anyway, by, by the calculations of the earthly realm, two people were watching that lifestyle telecast. And now 34 people, 36 people. So, um, it's a mystic power, right? How can somebody sit down in a room and be heard so far away? Like like some of you, like um, Virinder Prabhu, and some of you are from India, and uh, Somagiri Prabhu from Hungary. From how many kilometers? You know, we took plane, which is you know like how many um, 1,500, 2,000 dollars, you know, flight. We went there, and you know, like about 4,000, 5,000. I don't know, even more thousand kilometers, maybe 6,000 kilometers or 7,000 kilometers maybe that far away and how can I be heard so far? So This is our mystic power. So to an extent they have replicated this modern civilization have replicated this mystic powers that people used to have uh, by their yogic powers. They are replicating it by mechanical processes which are more harmful like in the telecast that Sanjay was seeing the whole Kurukshetra war there was no waves you know, there was no uh, radiation, there was no satellite, you know, there was no launch pad and then some satellite went and, you know, because of that there was a live telecast. No, no need of all that, you know, uh, cumbersome processes. By yogic power, they could do it and it was very wholesome and natural. But now, there is pollution, you know, because there is electromagnetic waves and then there is, you need to send a satellite and all this Wi-Fi and all these things, you know, internet, so all these things are um, a replication but in a more gross way. They used to do it in a more subtle way through mind, intelligence and you know, all these yogic powers a, which are more subtle than gross, so and for example even nuclear weapons, just by mantra, <coughs> incantations, they can imbue, I mean uh, an arrow, a seemingly an ordinary arrow, they can make it into a nuclear weapon just by chanting mantra, this is a subtle science. What the modern scientists are used to is gross science of Panchabhuta, this, this gross elements, but the sound, the, the science of sound is very much unknown to the modern scientist and also um, intelligence, mind, how to actually control and get all these yogic powers, all these things are practically unknown the modern scientists but Hiranyakashipu was so powerful that by his mystic power single-handedly he could he could control the entire universe so basically it's on the same direction but much lesser degree the modern scientists but pretty much they have also achieved some mystic powers and here you see Hiranyakashipu underwent a type of meditation so severe that the inhabitants of all the planetary systems became disturbed and with our modern Uh, mystic powers that the modern civilization has acquired, to travel very fast, even that is a mystic power. By our own, on our legs, with our legs, we can't travel very fast, right? But with a plane, now we can travel so fast. Of course, now, thanks to the virus, nobody is traveling at all, imprisoned. But, I mean, the devices to travel are so, this is all mystic power. Mm. Sages used to do, yeah, within a second you know they used to disappear from one place and appear in another place. they used to do that now they cannot do as fast but pretty much there they can i mean within a few hours they can be there. Uh, how many of a thousand of thousands of kilometers it may be so and nowadays by this v r and all these things that virtual reality all those goggles and all that. They're trying to create this holographic presence of people and look like it looks like you're there right there with that person kind of replicating that uh, teleportation kind of thing but you see they have achieved so many things basically in the same direction but in a to a lesser degree and in a more more hazardous way just like he had disturbed many planets with his mystic powers today's scientist is disturbing this planet at least they they couldn't extend their disturbance to other planets yet, they are trying now, they are going to other planets and they are trying to go, go and disturb there, but actually they can't really do much because they will be annihilated there. The thing is the same thing, they are disturbing this planet, how much the planet is now disturbed because of the scientific so-called advancement, we can just see. Okay, Now, so here Hiran has dis, has caused disturbance in many planetary systems, he forced the creator of the universe the demigod brahma to come down to him he then asked brahma for the benediction of becoming amara by which he does not by which one does not die mm. brahma amara means immortal immor- immortal immortality brahma said that he could not award the benediction because even he the material creator who rules all planets is not amara or not, he is not immortal himself, Brahma, as confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita 8.17, Brahma lives a long time, but that does not mean he is immortal. So, he wanted to become uh, Amara, uh, he wanted to become, what is, there is a movie, Amarendra Bahubali, he wanted to become, he became Bahubali but not Amara, you know, uh, Bahubali means great strength, in fact, he was so strong that, even lightning could not pierce his body, so strong. So, Bahu means hands, you know, his arms were so strong. Not only his arms, the entire body was shilatanka, you know, stone-like body. You know, the, the, It cannot pierce, even lightning cannot pierce, you know. But of course, the Supreme Lord just tore him apart like that. Shilatanka, hai, you know, shilatanka, you know, the stone-like chest of Hiranyakashipo. So, he was strong mentally and physically. Spiritually completely zero. Um, he wanted to become amara. Only with spiritual strength, you can one become amara. <laughs> he wanted to become uh, amara and bahubali, but he became bahubali, but not amara. So that is only available uh, for pralant He became amara. He was, you know, so much the demon uh, Hiranyakashipu and his men tried to kill him, but he was, and that is real strength. What is the use of strength if we can't defend ourselves against birth, death, old age and disease? Whereas, even with so-called frail material body, if one knows how to become a devotee and attain immortal life, that is real strength. buddhir yasya balam tasya, as it is said, where there is good intelligence, there is real strength. Whereas, Hiranyakasubu became so strong by his material acquisitions, um, Prahlad Maharaj became even stronger with spiritual acquisitions. He did not, Prahlad Maharaj did not go to the mountains and you know, all this um, severe austerity that Hiranyakashipu did, unimaginable austerity to get a not so powerful position. He could not get exactly immortality from Brahma, although he did such a great uh, austerity for one hundred celestial years. But Prahlad Maharaj, without any austerity, he became more powerful than Hiranyakashipu, that Hiranyakashipu could not do anything. And in fact, Hiranyakashipu died in his attempts to kill Prahlad by, of course, Narasimhadev. So, because he was protected, like Yogi, Yogi means one who acquires his mystic powers. But a devotee is the best Yogi. He has all mystic powers because Yogeshwara, Krishna is Yogeshwara, Yatra Yogeshwara Krishna, Tatra, Yatra Partha Dhanur Dharaha. Tatra Shri dhruva nithir Matir Mama. This is the last verse of the Bhagavad Gita, 18th chapter, 78th verse. So he is protected by the Yogeshwar, therefore no yogi can compare to a devotee. Because a devotee is protected personally by the Yogeshwar himself, the Lord of Yoga. Whereas the Yogi is trying to get some feeble mystic powers, but you know the Lord is already the Lord of entire mystic power. So that Lord is protecting him. So, nobody can do anything. See, wherever there is Krishna, the master of all mystics, wherever there is Arjuna, the supreme archer, there will also certainly be opulence, victory, extraordinary power and morality. That is my opinion. Uh, And similarly, Ravana and the Vanaras. Ravana and his son Indrajit. Indrajit means he had already conquered Indra. He had defeated Indra, the king of heaven. Ravana's son. Not even Ravana. Ravana's son um, defeated Indra. But still, just monkeys defeated him. Monkeys defeated, you know, all the Indrajit and all this. Of course, Lakshman killed him and Ram killed Ravan. But, with just a monkey army, you know, they won against all the sophisticated warriors of the other side. The Ravanas, materially they were very strong. Spiritually, the Vanaras were strong, stronger because they had Ram on their side. Similarly, Kauravas were so strong, Pandavas materially were not so strong. But because they had Krishna on their side, they won the war and you know, Prahlad Maharaj, Hiranyakaship was so strong but Lord was on Prahlad's side and therefore Prahlad won. All the time this history has repeated over and over that whoever is protected by the Lord, there is victory as you can see here, certainly so be opulence, victory, extraordinary power and morality. And Krishna is saying, I mean this is Sanjay saying, that is my opinion. So a Sanjay is of course a pure devotee. So, this is actually the um, real formula for victory, but they want to do it without this. He forced the creator of the universe to you know give him the Amara, the immortality, but he could not give, but even that we cannot do, we cannot even force the so called creator I mean of this universe, Brahma we we don't even know whether he exists, the modern scientists are not as advanced as Sri Kashukov in the other, other, in other words. So, Brahma sir, I cannot give you immortality because I myself am not immortal. Let's look at the lifetime of Brahma 8.17 Bhagavad Gita. Sahasra Yuga Ahariyad Brahmano viduhu Ratrim Yuga Sahasrantam Teho Ratra Vidhojana by human calculations, a thousand ages taken together form the duration of Brahma's one day, and such also is the duration of his night. A thousand ages, what is his ages? His yugas, the thousand Divya yugas. One age means one cycle of Satya, Treta, Kali yuga. That is 4.32 million years, and that. A thousand ages, that so means Sahasra Yuga Paryantham, sahasra Yuga, so one thousand times is four yugas, so four point three two million times one thousand is four point three two billion years is the duration of one day and such also is the duration of his night, so another four point three two billion years is his night, so his one twenty four hours is eight point six four billion years and He In his month there are 30 such days and there are 12 such months and there are 100 such years in the life of Lord Brahma. And if we calculate, we will come to the point of, I don't know if it is mentioned here, yeah, the entire lifetime of Brahma is this much, 311 trillion 40 billion earth years, that is his life, fantastically long, unimaginable but not immortal. So that's why Brahma said, I cannot give you. So then what he did? <coughs> Hiranya means gold. Now his name Hiranyakashipu, how did he get it? Hiranya means gold and Kashipu means soft bed. This cunning gentleman, Hiranyakashipu, <laughs> you see how Prabhupada describes him, cunning gentleman. He... <laughs> He's completely an oxymoron, you know, completely true. A gentleman, how can he be cunning? (laughs) Prabhupada used this word like this, it's quite hilarious. He was not even, he was far from a gentleman. In fact, (laughs) he was a ruffian so bad that even the demigods, just by his, you know, when he becomes angry and raises his eyebrows, that's it, everybody is, you know, fearing and they hide behind the clouds, hide behind everywhere they can and get out of his sight, just by his unfavorable raise of his eyebrow. So, I was nowhere close to a gentleman, but you know, uh, giving him some respect there. This cunning gentleman, Hiranyakashipu was interested in these two things, money and woman, women. So, actually a gentleman, a real gentleman, he is not interested in these things, right? That's why Prabhupada is, is like a sarcastic remark, um, this cunning gentleman. <laughs> Hiranyakashipu was interested in these two things, money and women, and he wanted to enjoy them, By becoming immortal, he asked from Brahma many benedictions in hope of indirectly fulfilling his desire to become immortal. So, another address of um, cunning, I mean, not cunning, sorry, um, uh, sarcastic praise is by Prahlad himself. Just like Prabhupada called him a cunning gentleman, (laughs) Prahlad called him a first class atheist. Asuryavarya, he did not call him dear father, he called, Oh, my dear Asuravarya. Asuravarya means, oh best of the demons, oh best of atheists. So it is a best, but of what atheists. So it's a gentleman, <laughs> cunning, so <laughs> very good, uh, he has a, Prabhupada has his own sense of humor. You know? And um, he wanted to enjoy them, he wanted money and women. so that, Hiranya means gold, this is money and Kashibu means soft bed, soft bed means you know he wants to enjoy with women in, in bed. So he wanted to enjoy them by becoming immortal, he wanted this money in women for eternity. He asked from Brahma many benedictions because immortality Brahma said no, so he indirectly tried. Um, many benedictions in hope of indirectly fulfilling his, you know, fulfilling his desire to become immortal, since Brahma told him that he would he could not grant the gift of immortality. Hiranyakashipu requested that he not be killed by any man, animal, god or any other living being within the 8,400,000 species. He also asked that he not die on land, in the air or water or by any weapon. In this way, Hiranyakashipu foolishly thought these guarantees would save him from death. Ultimately, however, although Brahma granted him all these benedictions, he was killed by the personality of Godhead in the form of Narsimha, the Lord's half lion, half man incarnation, and no weapon was used to kill him, for he was killed by the Lord's nails, nor was he killed on the land, in the air, or in the water, um, for he was killed on the lap of that wonderful living being, Narsimha, who was beyond his conception. The whole point here is that even Hiranyakashipu, the most powerful materialist, the most powerful of materialists, could not become deathless. By his various plans. What then can be accomplished by the tiny Hiranyakashipus of today whose plans are thwarted from moment to moment? Every, like you know, we had this dream, you know, ever since I was a young boy, uh, I was like in my teens, in my early teens, like 1998, 1999, everybody was like, wow, 2000, we are getting into the new millennium. It was like a big thing and hype. And two thousand went, two thousand one went, two thousand two went, two thousand three, two thousand four when Life was just, you know, pretty much the same. And then there was this vision, you know, everybody was looking for twenty twenty as the most futuristic, as the most advanced um, milestone of human civilization, where, you know, humans will be like, you know, very very advanced in the future by twenty twenty. It was a magic number, twenty twenty. And w- now twenty twenty has come, and I think in the whole in my whole life at least i think even so proposed was saying 65 years he has been here in this world so this is the worst year never was he locked down like this ever before and now now everybody is stuck here and 2020 with the dream year became the worst year nightmare the dream became a nightmare so so we have so many plans and you know by 2020 you know we will achieve this we will achieve that so many promises were made and then 2020 came and the whole plans were thwarted and completely gone. And that is 2020, the big year. So, Hiranyakashipu's plan was thwarted, but it was thwarted once. For for his entire life, he was practically, he was successful. But even that we cannot achieve. Tiny Hiranyakashipu, as Prabhupada said. Tiny Hiranyakashipu, what they can do? Whose plans are thwarted from moment to moment this year already started with bushfires and you know some uh, big volcano in philippines somewhere and then some i think earthquake or something and then this this covid 19 thing happened and then everything came to a standstill and still ongoing so i think the, the entire year will be the the theme for the entire year will be this covid 19 virus only and just trying to battle it and trying to recover from it and trying to just fight this whole thing so that's the whole um state of affairs 2020. I think it will be <laughs> for, I mean this year will be remembered for the rest of our lives. Um, we, we thought it would be a dream, but it, you know, um, I mean the materialist at least painted a dream, but then it became a nightmare. Sri ishopanishad So, basically this, the whole point is that even such a greatly accomplished, greatly accomplished materialist as Hiranagar Shippu could not do anything to advance the uh, materialistic life, what can we do, compared to him we are nothing. Sri Ishopanishad instructs us not to make one sided attempts to win the struggle for existence. Everyone is struggling hard for existence, but the laws of material nature are so hard and fast that they do not allow anyone to surpass them, we cannot surpass the laws of material world. In order to attain a permanent life, one must be prepared to go back to Godhead. Here, staying here, we cannot solve this problem by adjusting and adjusting and adjusting this material life. We cannot make a solution. Um, real solution means one must be prepared to go back to Godhead and not come back here anymore. The process by which one goes back to Godhead is a different branch of knowledge and it has to be learned from revealed Vedic scriptures, such as the Upanishads, Vedanta Sutra, Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. Now, what is the difference between the atheists and the theists? Now, atheist, he wanted to become immortal, in and modern civilization is pretty much also trying that. Although they know that, you know, we are mortals, but they are trying to advance the science and technology as much as they can and trying to prolong their lifetimes, you know, in, in whatever way they can. So, if given a chance, they would want to become immortal, for sure, in this material body. So they also want to become immortal. The theists they also want to become immortal. So the and theists want to be happy, and the materialists also want to be happy. It's not that the theists or the, the devotees they like to go away from happiness. Oh, we don't watch movies, we don't watch, we don't uh, play sports and all this. Doesn't mean that they are going away from the path of happiness, they have a different standard of happiness. Now bo- everybody is chasing happiness, but the right way or the wrong way, that is the question now. Now, those who want to do it the right way, then they have to, it, that's why here it is said, the process by which one goes back to God, it is a different branch of knowledge. It is not based on, on our sensory perception, on the sense gratification, profitless pursuit of sense gratification perfect phrase in the last yesterday's uh, purport. Mantra 10. Profitless pursuit of sense gratification. It has, that, that is a profitless pursuit, but if we want any profit, then we have to pursue in this direction. Take instruction from the Vedic scriptures, such as the Upanishads, Vedanta Sutra, Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. To become happy in this life and attain a permanent blissful life after living this material body, one must study the sacred literature and obtain transcendental knowledge, to become happy in this life and attain permanent blissful life. So, even in this life you can be happy and in the next life you can go back to Godhead by one must study this sacred literature, one, by studying the sacred literature you can be happy here and in the next life also. Hmm. Whereas the material way of life in pursuit, profitless pursuit, remember that word pursuit, they are not happy they are pursuing happiness and it is a profitless pursuit. So, they are not going to get the profit for which they are pursuing. But here, even the process, the pursuit so-called of happiness, of real happiness in this spiritual way of life, the process itself is full of happiness. Let explained here, in the Bhagavad Gita, not only is the result uh, pleasurable, that means one goes back to Godhead, yes eternal life and everything, you know happiness with God, that is understood, but even the process of attaining it is full of uh, happiness. Raja, vidya raja pavitram This knowledge, chapter 9 text 2 of Bhagavad Gita, this knowledge is the king of education, the most secret of all secrets. It is the purest knowledge and because it gives direct perception of the self by realization, it is the perfection of religion. It is everlasting and it is joyfully performed. It is joyfully performed. And that is also explained in Srimad Bhagavatam. Srimad Bhagavatam, Kanto 1, Chapter 2, Text 6. Savai Pumsam paro Yato Adhoksha Ahay toke apratihata yayaatma suprasedati, what is that? Completely satisfied. The supreme occupation dharma for all humanity is that by which men can attain to loving devotional service unto the transcendent lord. That is the real occupation of all human beings, to attain loving devotional service unto the transcendent lord. Such devotional service must be unmotivated and uninterrupted to completely satisfy the self. When it is unmotivated devotional service to Krishna, it completely satisfies the self, even the process of devotional service itself. Therefore, in the Bhakti Samrita Sindhu, um, Rupa Goswami has described the characteristics of devotional service, and this is explained in the Chaitanya Charitamrita Madhilila, chapter 17, verse 95, in the purport. This verse is quoted. 1.1.17 in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, uh, Sri Guru Goswami says, Kleshagni, Shubhada, Moksha laghutaakrit, Sudurlabha, Sandrananda Visheshatma, Sri Krishnaakarshini Chasa. Devotional service has six qualities. Uh, first, is Kleshagni, completely removes all Klesha, all difficulties. His life becomes happy. Just by rendering even one you see, even here in the purport, I mean in the continuation, although Prabhupada did not translate the entire verse as it is, he just is explaining the Kleshagni and the Krishna Karshani and Shubhada. You know, in this in this paragraph after this um, you know, in this paragraph, he is explaining this the three Kleshagni, Shubhada and uh, what is the other one? Krishna Karshani. Three he is explaining, even there you see he said devotional service is Kleshagni even for beginners. This means that it reduces or nullifies all kinds of suffering. The word Shubhada indicates that devotional service bestows all good fortune and the word Krishna karshini indicates that devotional service gradually attracts Krishna toward the devotee. And of course, uh, Moksha Laghuta takrit means it makes uh, Moksha very, very small compared to the achievement of Bhakti. Uh, one can feel that Moksha is not really worth pursuing. It will, it will automatically be awarded to the devotee. Has just like if, if you have if you're awarded a million dollars, do you want ten dollars? No, ten dollars is already included in that million dollars. So when we get bhakti, moksha or mukti is already included in that. It's a tiny fragment only of moksha of, of bhakti. Therefore, moksha laghutakrit labha, it is actually very difficult to attain, uh, but you know it is when it is attained. Oh, it, it, it bestows all auspiciousness and it removes every you know uh, difficulty even while practicing even though that's why Prabhupada said even for beginners is kleshagni and sandranand vise Sandrananda means it awards intense pleasure um, and then it attracts krishna towards the devotee shri krishna karshani chasa so whereas here the path itself is blissful on the other hand the path is full of trouble and the end result is a profitless, profitless pursuit of sense gratification. It's no profit there, we can't really get the happiness that we want, even if, even if we so called achieve our goal, it will not stay, it's going to be temporary, mm. even if one becomes a millionaire, a billionaire, whatever it is, he has to leave everything and go away, he can't enjoy it eternally, whereas real knowledge or oh, that is eternal. Mm what is that tapo divyam um, putra kayana sattvam suddhedyasmat brahma saukhyam tu anantam brahma saukhyam tu anantam sukham atyantikam yadd buddhi graham ati this um this pleasure is way beyond the sensory pleasure and it is uh, what is that brahma uh, saukhyam to anantam unlimited pleasure The process by which one goes back to God, it is a different branch of knowledge and it has to be learned from revealed scriptures, ok we have read that. Um, the conditioned living being has forgotten his eternal relationship with God and has mistakenly accepted the temporary place of his birth as all in all. The, the Lord has kindly delivered the above mentioned scriptures in India and other scriptures in other countries, to remind the forgetful human being that his home is not here in this material world. The living being is a spiritual entity and he can be happy only by returning to his spiritual home. Just like a fish will be happy only in the water. How much ever we may try to make the life of a fish comfortable on land, we give him nice air-conditioned room and you know, big feast, you know, like 100 preparations or whatever, the fish will never be happy, it will just be, you know, you know, the fish Fish will be, you know, like, um, struggling. Uh, but if you put it back in the water, oh, so happy. It doesn't need all these big, big feast or air condition or, you know, all soft bed. No, in fact, it is struggling on a soft bed. You put it in the water, oh, even he will go against the current of the river. He will go against the current. He enjoys that. Uh, so, that much, because that is his natural habitat. Similarly, the natural habitat of the spirit soul, of us, is the spiritual world. Now, we are like the fish out of water, trying to make ourselves comfortable on a a soft bed and with gold. How much gold and soft bed you give to a fish, you know, it will not become happy, right? just has to go back into the water. That's what we need to do. We just need to go back to the spiritual world. And there, we don't need all these things. We don't need anything here. We can be completely happy with Krishna in the spiritual world therefore the living entity, the living being is a spiritual entity and he can be happy only by returning to his spiritual nature. From his kingdom, the personality of Godhead sends his bona fide servants to propagate this message. See Prabhupada is like that. From his kingdom, the personality of Godhead sends his bona fide servants to propagate this message by which one can return to Godhead and sometimes the Lord him comes himself to do this work. Since all living beings are his beloved sons, his parts and parcels, God is more sorry than we we ourselves to see the sufferings we are constantly undergoing in this material condition. We are foolish and we want to be happy here, but the Lord is feeling sorry for us. That, you know, why you have to stay here? You are suffering, you don't even know you are suffering. And he can award his knowledge, but again, he doesn't want to force it on us. He wants, of course, that he is forcing us in one way because even if we want to be happy, when we try it here, although the Lord seemingly gives facility to exercise our independence, but then instead of the Lord punishing us, his agency is punishing us, the Maya. So, actually, if you study, therefore, there is no independence as such. The independence is only whether I want to be under voluntary control of the Lord or whether I want to be under the forced control of the Lord. That independence only we have, but always under the control of the Lord. We are never out of the control of the Lord, but under the civil law or the criminal law, still under the government, we are never out of the law, even though we may try to be an outlaw. So we are never out of the law, always under the law and the more we try to be out of the law, we we will be under more stringent law. So that's how we are being controlled in this world. And um, therefore, God is more sorry um, than we ourselves to see the sufferings we are constantly undergoing in this material condition. The miseries of this material world serve to indirectly remind us of our incompatibility with dead matter. See that? The miseries of this material world serve to indirectly remind us of our incompatibility with dead matter. So, the reason we are suffering here. is is an incompatible situation, just like a fish out of water, it is incompatible for the fish to live on land. It just cannot live on land and we just can't live in water, Yeah, however expert one may be a swimmer, he will not survive in the ocean, whereas a fish, uh, he can survive easily. Of course there are so many predators there also, but that's his natural habitat. Whereas, humans, we can't live in the water and the fish, they can't live on the land. So, our natural habitat is where we will be the happiest and our natural habitat as spirit souls is the spiritual world. So, our, when we become miserable here, when there is any miserable situation in this material world, therefore, a devotee is not discouraged. He is just encouraged that, hmm, Krishna is just reminding me of this. Uh, real truth of the material life and is just showing me that it's incompatible. I cannot be happy here, so I shouldn't be endeavouring for happiness in this material world. So, Krishna is just reminding me by this distressful condition that I am undergoing and therefore I should be just becoming more and more serious in executing Krishna consciousness and devotional service. So, that's how we should take every miserable condition as. Hmm. Intelligent living entities generally take note of these reminders, and engage themselves in the culture of vidya or transcendental knowledge. Intelligent living entities take note of these reminders. The foolish, how many reminders you know you may show me will never be. You know, therefore, it is in a nice verse in the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> आश्चर्यवच्छ इन्हमन्यष्ट्रण shrutvapienam vedana वेदनचाहिब kaschet. Some look on the soul as amazing. Some describe him as amazing, and some hear of him as amazing. While others, even after hearing about him, cannot understand him at all. The the reminders that we get are just when they, when we face any you know reversals in life, they are just reminders that this is this place is not for us. So, this place is not for us, that's what the reminders is for, right? So, we just have to contemplate, yes, I am actually the soul, I am I'm, I'm not part of this material world. So, the miserable condition reminds us of our eternal nature, oh, I am a soul, I am, I am. But here, after hearing about the soul even so much, you know, nothing will happen, you know, nothing. What is that? You see, even after hearing about him, cannot understand him at all. So, how many ever reminders in in spiritual knowledge or due to material circumstances, how much ever he is reminded that he is a soul and he should not uh, chase this profitless pursuit of sense gratification, he still does so. That is a sign of a fool. He can't take any reminder, any advice, any instruction whatsoever directly or indirectly. Directly about spiritual life, he is not interested. And even indirectly when Maya hits him hard, he doesn't question why am I being hit hard. So he doesn't. He just simply tries to chase those material uh, pursuits of sense gratification. So an intelligent living this, they take note of these reminders and engage themselves in the culture of vidya. Therefore, when there is a reversal in the life of a devotee, he becomes even more, um, you know, reading uh, reading. Uh, I mean, Bhagavad Gita more, chanting more. He becomes more devotee more stronger devotee in the times of uh, challenge rather than in the times of, in the times of happiness, it is easy to forget sometimes, especially when we are not advanced. A pure devotee never forgets Krishna, whether in happy or unhappy conditions. But usually, third class devotees, when we are advancing, in in materially comfortable situations, we, we tend to forget, we tend to like relax it a bit. But when there is a challenging situation, then our prayers become more fervent, our prayers become more feelingly. I know that's why um, Bhagavad Gita forty four. It is said, kabudhe, In the minds of those who are too attached to sense enjoyment and material opulence and who are bewildered by such things, the resolute determ- determination for uh, devotional service to the Supreme Lord does not take place. So if one has so much enjoyment, so much material happiness around him, the resolute determination to become a strong devotee is very rarely to be seen. That's why Kuntidevi, she says in the Bhagavatam, first canto, eighth chapter, verse 26, I guess. Hmm. My Lord, your Lordship can easily be approached but only by those who are materially exhausted. One who is on the path of material progress, trying to improve himself with respectable parentage, great opulence, high education and bodily beauty cannot approach you with sincere feeling. But, but, eighth canto, twenty-second chapter, twenty-six and twenty-seventh verse. Twenty-six. Janma karma vyorupa vidyai svaryadhanadi bhin bhavet stambhas tatrayam adhanugraha. If a human being is born in an aristocratic family or higher status of life. If he performs wonderful activities, if he is youthful, if he has personal beauty, a good education and good wealth, and if he is nonetheless not proud of his opulences, it is to be understood that he is especially favoured by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That even after having all these things, if he is not, therefore, next, next verse, Janma dinam pratipanam Although aristocratic birth and other such opulences are impediments to the advancement in devotional service because they are causes of false prestige and pride, these opulences never disturb a pure devotee of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So, real devotee, even if he has these things, he will not be disturbed. But in generally, generally, in the, for general devotees, especially in the third class, it is so distracting, so distracting. And therefore, he takes whatever reversals that come in life as springboards to success in spiritual life. You know what's a springboard? When you jump on it, you know, the, like I think you have seen those... Uh, swimmers, you know, when they jump from, you know, the the springboard and then they, you know, do all those gymnastics and go into the water, that is a springboard. So, the springboard goes down, you know, when when he jumps and, you know, presses himself on the springboard, he goes down, but then that down is not really a down, it is actually, then he jumps even higher. So, like that, a devotee, for him the so-called downs in his life, if he is strong devotee, hmm, then he will see those so-called downs are actually as actually springboards of jumping even higher in spiritual life. Uh, so that's how we should take it always. Everything is the blessings of the Lord, even the so-called um, you know, unfavorable circumstances, quote unquote unfavorable, because they're not actually unfavorable. We with our limited vision with our imperfect vision, we will see it as unfavorable, but actually, the Lord has his perfect plan for the devotee. So, even if it seemingly looks unfavorable, it is, if again, we take to devotional service strongly, then only it will be a favorable thing. The same beating, if we, like the the example of Prabhupada losing his business, for example, as a grihastha householder, an ordinary man loses his business, he will go and have a drink or, you know, just try to forget his, his, his loss and, because so many years he spent, you know, building that business and he got cheated and then, you know, forget that loss, he will just do all kinds of crazy things and he will go into depression. But Prabhupada, he was so encouraged. Oh, now is the time I should like, really forget all this, you know, Uh, even though he was trying to earn that money to print books and expand the Krishna consciousness movement, that was his plan. But still, you see, when Krishna thwarted that plan, he took it as he took it as, you know, Krishna's desire. He did not go and fight who was the manager who cheated him and, and how can he do this and this is injustice. I have, you know, um, worked so hard to build this business. No, he just, all right, Krishna's plan, fine. So, he, that is called tolerance. You see how tolerance helps. He tolerated that, all right, fine. He just took it as Krishna's plan. Moved on in his spiritual life. Therefore, the 2.14, you know, Bhagavad Gita 2.14, we have to tolerate ups and downs. Just imagine if Prabhupada did not tolerate that and he went after the person and tried to file a lawsuit and this and that and he would have won or lost, maybe most probably lost, maybe because he is a clever crook, he cheated very well. But, you know, that whole thing will just divert the attention from the real focus of life. Real focus is to advance in spiritual life. So therefore, we should make, not make things more cumbersome for our advancement in spiritual life. Not that we should be cowards, especially like, although, a good example actually, Prabhupada. Because he, when he saw that his manager cheated him, he did not really pursue it and he took it as Krishna's desire. But when he was fighting for the Mumbai, Bombay land, the Juhu, Iskon Juhu that is now there, that Prabhupada fought in court against that Mr. Nair, who was trying to take away that land from the devotees and then trying to cheat them of the land. So Prabhupada was fighting so hard against it and he got his disciples to fight so hard against it. Why? For Krishna he will take all kinds of troubles, but for himself, no. So that for so for in the in the matter of propagation of Krishna consciousness, we should spare no effort. Um, we should leave no stone unturned um, in in the matter of uh, pursuing the progress of the movement of Krishna consciousness. We should take all risks. We should take all you know. It's not that we we, are, we, are, we behave like fools and jerks, but not that you know we go on a big protest and you know make a whole ruckus. No, we have to fight very hard for the um, Krishna consciousness movement, and sometimes it involves challenges. Sometimes it involves, um, like many times in Prabhupada's time, the devotees were arrested by the police, you know, just for doing doing the Sankirtan on the streets. So many times the devotees went into lockup in the police station, but they came out and did the same thing again, they came out and did the same thing again, until the police just gave up on them. So, sometimes they have to go through these things and, I mean, what happened in Russia was even more worse, even worse. They went through so much torture, for Krishna consciousness, to establish Krishna consciousness in Russia, USSR at the time. So it was communist and you know, big big problem in Russia at the time. But there even few devotees died while preaching because of the torture that the government did. But they still went ahead. Hmm. So for the Krishna's sake, we should be prepared to take all trouble. But for ourselves, we should not make our life more cumbersome. Fighting for Krishna's sake, that is the most glorious, uh, even if we die fighting for Krishna, that is the most glorious death on the battlefield of of preaching. If one dies, that is the most glorious death. Uh. So, we should never be too much affected by the negative uh, situations in life, seemingly quote-unquote negative situations in life, because... These are all springboards to spiritual successes if we stick to the process of Krishna consciousness. If we forget, if we go in the path of, okay, let me just drink some beer, you know, just forget this whole thing, you know, it's depression, that is a different path. It's a mode of ignorance path, but spiritual path is when we take it in the right frame of mind and take it as Krishna's mercy. Tato, uh, we have seen that, right? Um, just go there and come back. Ten eighty-eight eight ten dot eighty-eight dot eight. Shri Bhagavan Vacha Yasya hammanu grahanaami Hari shayatadhanam chaneeyeh. Tatodhanam jajantya jantyaasya svajanah dukha dukhitam. The personality of God had said, "If I especially favor someone, I gradually deprive him of his wealth. Then the relatives and friends." Of such a poverty-stricken man, abandon him. In this way, he suffers one distress after another. Next. When he becomes frustrated in his attempts to make money and instead befriends my devotees, I bestow my special mercy upon him. Um Next, Paramam Sad Anantakam Yatmata Yadhira Parimuchyate. A person who has thus become sober fully realizes the Absolute as the highest truth, the most subtle and perfect manifestation of spirit and the transcendental existence without end. In this way, realizing that the Supreme, uh, supreme Truth is the foundation of his own existence, he is freed from the cycle of material life. Actually there is a nice verse quoted in the um, comment section, we will go to that verse, uh, 11, 22 58 11, 22 1122-58-59, Shripto vamanito, sadhi, pralabdho, suyit taditaha, sunni vrityava, parihapitaha, nishthuto, mutrito, vagnyair, bahudhaivam, prakampitaha, shreya skamaha, kritch ragata, atman Even though neglected, insulted, ridiculed or envied by bad men, or even though repeatedly agitated by being beaten, tied up, or deprived of one's occupation, spat upon or polluted with urine by ignorant people, one who desires the highest goal of life, highest goal in life should in spite of all these difficulties, use his intelligence to keep himself safe on the spiritual platform. This is so nice. Hmm? Even if one is insulted, ridiculed, envied, you know, repeatedly agitated by being beaten, tied up, deprived of one's job or occupation and even if they spit, spit on us, eh? even if uh, polluted with urine, even if they urinate on us, we should, I mean, uh, this is, you know, to achieve this kind of tolerance is, um, you know, you know, it, it's, that is what we need to, means this, even if you urinate on a tree, the tree will not protest. The tree will t- still give us shade, still give us the fruits, everything right? So that is mean, that is the meaning of tolerance. Why, why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said tolerant like the tree? Because it is the embodiment of tolerance, it is the symbol of tolerance, the tree. Spat upon, uh, tied up, beaten, uh, insulted, neglected, ridiculed, envied. Even in spite of all these difficulties, One should use his intelligence to keep himself safe on the spiritual platform. How to keep safe? By chanting Hare Krishna. Kirtaniya Sada Hare. Spiritually safe means, oh, I I have to find some shelter. No. Spiritually safe means not forgetting Krishna. Because once you forget Krishna, Oh, Sahanistan Mahachidram. Eh? This was 2.9.36, purport. 2.9.36 2.9.36 Bhagavatam and the purple you see Sahanistan Mahachidram one second see how many verses are quoted here Vishnu Purana, Sahanistan Mahachidram Samoha yan Kshanam Vasudevam Nasintayet. If one, if even for a moment remembrance of Vasudev, the Supreme Personality of Godhead is missed, that is the greatest loss, that is the greatest illusion and that is the greatest anomaly. So, that is the unsafe position. Spiritually safe means always chant kirtaniya Sadaharihi. By how? Tolerating whatever they do to us, tolerate. But then, If a Vaishnava is insulted, if another Vaishnava, if I am insulted, I should, I should be, this should be my behavior. But if another Vaishnava is insulted or ridiculed or envied upon, then we should take it very seriously. We should fight against that. Or if the Lord is, you know, ridiculed or, you know, envied upon, no, we should fight. So, Krodha Bhakti Dvesha Bhaktadvesha jane. So, that is a proper uh, usage of anger, but for oneself, one should be very tolerant, but for Krishna, we should take all pains. So, coming back here, intelligent living entities generally take note of these reminders and engage themselves in the culture of vidya or transcendental knowledge. Human life is the best opportunity for the culture of spiritual knowledge and a human being who does not take advantage of this opportunity is called a Naradham, the lowest of human beings and one who takes the advantage of the opportunity, he is called a Mahatma or Narottama, the best of human beings. Narottam Das Thakur, you know, we have Narottama means the, the best of human beings, Naradhama means the worst of human beings. The path of avidya or advancement of material knowledge for sense gratification, you see, avidya is the path of advancement of material knowledge. Knowledge, seemingly vidya, but the path of advancement of material knowledge is avidya. When I was small, as a kid, we were made to do Saraswati puja. When I was the Saraswati puja, Ganesh chaturthi. We bring all our difficult subjects, all the textbooks of you know where what is the difficult subject? Okay, bring all those textbooks, keep in front of Mother Saraswati, and you know pray for her blessing so that we can pass the exam, get good grades. So basically, we were praying to Saraswati, the goddess of learning, to give us the blessing of avidya. You know, to give us the blessing, so called blessing of um, ignorance. Real Saraswati, you know, every day in the morning in a Bhagavatam class, before the Bhagavatam class, we say, Narayanam Namaskritya. Naramchai devim vyasam tatojayam udhirayet. We offer our respectful obeisances to Mother Saraswati every day before the Bhagavatam class because that is knowledge. Uh, before reading the Bhagavatam, we pay our obeisances to the spiritual master, to Vyasadeva, to Naranarayan, and to Mother Saraswati to help us, bless us as we are advancing, as we are reading the Bhagavatam by her blessings we can understand what is in the bhagavatam so by the mercy of the spiritual master by the mercy of vyasadeva by the mercy of krishna by the mercy of mother saraswati that is real learning but putting these textbooks in you know, a modern ed- this this mundane education and putting that in front of saraswati and uh, i want but here it is said the path of avidya or advancement of material knowledge for sense gratification all the knowledge exam passing you know what is what is that for that is for Simply getting a livelihood for sense gratification. So there is the path of avidya. The path of avidya or advancement of material knowledge <clears throat> for sense gratification is the path of repeated birth and death. As he exists spiritually, the living entity has no birth or death. Birth and death apply to the outward covering of the spirit soul, the body. Death is compared to the taking off and birth to the putting on of outward garments. So Vasam Sajirnaniya Thavihaya. Just like we change dress every day, so we are changing bodies every life. But the soul is the person and the body is the dress. Foolish human beings who are grossly absorbed in the culture of Avidya nations do not mind this cruel process. See that? Foolish human beings who are grossly absorbed in the culture of Avidya nations do not mind this cruel process. Enamored with the beauty of the illusory energy, they undergo the same miseries repeatedly and do not learn any lessons from the laws of nature. Whereas the devotee always takes clues, whenever there is a reversal situation, alright, Krishna is giving me a clue, alright, I should not pursue in this way, I should become serious in spiritual life. Um, So, he is just showing me what material life is. So, he takes clues, directly of course, we get so much... We have to learn from the spiritual master, what is Krishna, what is, who are we and how to actually progress in devotional life and indirectly, all these things, you know, like reversals in life or seeing other people's reversals and see how material nature is acting, you know, how it is dangerous, not just our own reversals, even when we see other people in, you know, in suffering, then we should, we should understand that, you see, this This is how Maya acts in various ways because she gives suffering to many different people in different ways. So, by observing all these things, we should see that, you know, this path of material life is not, is not, is not, uh, is not worth pursuing. Uh, the result is always, every time we are seeing the result is something bad. That's why, we'll just go to this verse and come back. We have seen this verse, but again, 7.13.26. Tatra vidam tenamcha sukha. In this human form of life, a man and a woman unite for the sensual pleasure of sex, but by actual experience, we have observed that none of them are happy. That's what we should see. You know, everybody who, not just, um, you know, um, family life, everything about material life. Like the advertisement of Maya is that, come to me and join me you will be happy. So, that's the invitation of Maya. So, in all forms, not only about family life, family life is also, we have to always notice how different families are having different set of problems. If not this problem, then another problem, if not that problem, then another problem, if not that problem, another problem. It is never a happy situation, it is never a comfortable situation. Some people think, oh in my family only this problem is there. you see their family is so good, you know they are all very cooperative, but they have other problems which we don't even know. So, actually it's just a a platform of problems. If not this then that, it's only problems and it's not that we should immediately run away from the responsibilities, the basic thing about family life is although despite all inconveniences, we should work for their spiritual benefit, that is the only uh, thing. If that is also not possible, then sannyas. <laughs> if after trying all that, not possible, okay, take sannyas, get out from the whole situation. So that is there. <clears throat> Therefore, um, we should see and say Maya advertises in other ways. Like, <clears throat> look at this or oh, technology it distracts us in various various ways, right? Or sports or you know, all these attractive features of you know Maya materialistic life but then you you see the consequences what is what is the real so we should always contemplate on these things what is the real deal in this although there is so much hype like for example a great soccer player or a great football player or uh, sorry soccer and football i mean soccer and cricket and so, uh, or a good actor now as much as as much fame as they get and as much they become popular among the people but you see the essence of it. What did they achieve in terms of the value of human life? So we should not be distracted by the so-called hype because that is just the advertisement of material world. You know, just like when you market a product, (laughs) this marketing works in any field. What they do is they show testimonials of people who have gone through that. You know, and who use that product and how they feel about it. You know, so when everybody says it's good and good and good and good, then, you know, and nowadays also when they see any YouTube video, they see the comments. What people say, what people say. Everybody is, you know, you know saying good and good and good. And okay, this, this is something which is, okay, this is something legit. We, that is how Maya gives us the, the, the illusion that everything is nice. Because she puts all these people who comment or who give testimonials, who are in illusion and their testimonials, what is the use of the testimonials but Maya ge- gets herself, arranges her own army of these people who give nice testimonials about materialistic way of life, about earning money, I mean, about you know so many materialistic plans and they say this will work, this has worked and, and what has actually worked? Did they get out of birth, death, old age and disease? That thing we should never forget. We should observe not only in our life, reversals or whatever, we should observe. The, the illusion in everything that is there in the material world, through the eyes of the scripture, everywhere how the illusion is working, we should see in every step of our lives and always be conscious of how Krishna's Maya, Krishna's Maya is working to keep everybody in illusion. Not that we find fault with everybody and see everybody is in illusion. I am the only devotee who is seeing everything right. That means we are, all, we are also part of that illusion. <laughs> the moment I think like that, that means the Maya, the Maya is illusioning me or putting me into illusion of pride and with that I think I am better than anyone and in that way my pride increases and pride goes before fall. So, I am also enamored by Maya. So, it is not about, it is not about, hey, see everybody is suffering and everybody foolish people I am the biggest man I am the best, I, only I understand what is spiritual life. That means we are also straight going into the same direction. So, we should always be humble at the same time and just observe and take guidance from the spiritual master and try to help everybody. When we see their suffering, on one side we should understand that we should not pursue in that path. On the other hand, we need to try to serve them and help them understand the real thing, how how they can really become happy. So, for that we have to be absolutely convinced and not be fooled by any advertisement of Maya. Any advertisement of Maya, we cannot be fooled by that. And we should in fact convince them, who are enamoured by Maya, by bring, giving them Krishna consciousness, mm-hmm. distributing books. Let them read Prabhupada's books, let them be convinced, mm-hmm. Maya will come out. So we should be always focused that how much ever they are saying they are happy, they are foolish, they are not happy. Sukhavan mm-hmm. He is just imagining that he is happy, he is not happy, but he is imagining. So we have to get them out of that, um, you know, get them out of that illusion.